You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. What happened was the 4th Department Appellate Division here in New York State um, ruled that my plaintiffs, Senator George Borrello, Assemblyman Chris Taig, Congressman Mike Lawler, and a citizens group called Uniting New York State, um, didn't have standing to bring the lawsuit last year, uh, which, if, if you recall, we actually won the lawsuit last year at the trial court level uh, when the court ruled in our favor and said that this regulation that Governor Hochul and her Department of Health made um, were, it was an unconstitutional regulation on multiple levels. Um, So now this appellate court, uh, which, you know, of course, the governor and the attorney general appealed to this court, uh, they tried to overturn our decision. And yeah, the court came down and said, well, you know what? We're not even going to talk about the merits here, uh, whether or not this regulation was unconstitutional or not. Uh, We're just going to say, hey, you know what? We don't think you had the right to bring the lawsuit in the first place last year. And what's your assessment Uh, of that decision? What's your assessment of the reasoning here? Yeah, it's pretty surprising, I have to say. Um, You know, the trial court judge last year didn't even discuss standing. Uh, You know, it was an argument that was brought up by the the attorney general last year, the trial court. Um, But it's so obvious that we have standing that the trial court judge didn't even discuss it in his decision. So it was very surprising, and and I don't agree. My plaintiffs and I do not agree with this ruling. We do not believe that sitting New York State legislators and the the people of New York State, um, you know, in a citizens group, don't have standing. It doesn't make sense. So um, we definitely disagree with this ruling. And just for our viewers, what would be the potential impact of this ruling for New York, for the rest of America? As you've said, it could have an impact on the whole nation. Yes. So uh, what has happened with this ruling is that they have said, in essence, the lawsuit last year, the ruling there isn't valid anymore. So what that means is that the Department of Health and Governor Hochul are open to reissuing that regulation if they want to, which means they can reinstitute their isolation and quarantine procedures regulation, which the judge had struck down last year. So if they can reissue that now, that means that it's going to be a valid regulation and it's going to be enforceable by the Department of Health, the governor, uh, the attorney general. So it's, it's really a dangerous situation. You know, the other thing, and in addition to that regulation now being open to being reissued, the other problem is that this is really bad case law. Uh, you know, a court, an appellate court is saying that these legislators don't have the right to bring a lawsuit against the executive branch of government when they feel that the executive branch of government has usurped their power, has taken their power to make law. You know, it's very clear, three branches of government, each branch has its own job, its own authority. And here, it was clear that the executive branch overstepped and reached into the legislative branch's powers. You have to be able to challenge that in court. Absolutely. That is concerning. And in a tangible way, how might this affect people's lives, say, for a potential future pandemic or such? 
Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, so the, the regulation can be reinstituted now because of this court decision. Um, so that means the regulation for any of your viewers who are not familiar with the regulation, um, it allows the Department of Health to pick and choose which New Yorkers they can lock up or lock down without any proof that you're sick, without any proof you've been exposed to a communicable disease. There's no time limit. So they could lock you up or lock you down for days or weeks or months. There's no location restrictions. They can put you in any facility they want. They can either lock you down in your house or they can remove you from your house with the force of police and put you into a facility, detention center, whatever you want to call it, that they choose. You would have no say. And then once you're locked up or you're locked down, there's no procedure in this regulation that says how you get out of quarantine once you're in there. So, you know, just to give you an example, we were at the trial court last year arguing in front of the judge, and the judge asked the attorney general, you know, if you take a family and you put them into a facility somewhere, how do they get out? And, you know, the attorney general said, well, you know, they could hire a lawyer and they could sue us. You know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. So much craziness going on. We've got a great guest coming on in actually just about 30 minutes, 25 minutes or so. I'll tell you more about that in the next segment. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason we are still on the air now more than ever. We need you. And you need us, as apparently the whole world is on the cusp of another pandemic, which, again, I'll get into more in the next segment. It's hard to see what's true and what's made up, what's exaggerated in this world of disinformation and misinformation and conspiracy. Speaking of conspiracy, there's new reports here that Soros poured $15 million of dark money into Biden-linked nonprofit. The article here by Dan Lyman goes on to say a hefty chunk of dark money from a group bankrolled by George Soros, the face of Western soft power campaigns for decades, was shelled out last year as part of an effort to get Joe Biden reelected in 2024, Fox News reported. We've been talking a lot on this program about the difference between conspiracy by conquest, excuse me, tyranny by conquest and tyranny by conspiracy. And where is our version of George Soros? After all, we live in a capitalist country, so to speak. It's as capitalist as it gets, apparently. And so it shouldn't just be exclusive to the left that they would have so many billionaires, although the major centralized bankers have seemed to find a way to accomplish that, for the most part, with the exceptions of the likes of Elon Musk. But it's funny how the left continuously states and implies and suggests and just rams it down our throats that the billionaire class is the sort of tax-evading right-wing extremist class when time and time again, every time we look at billionaires, we see that they're actually major leftists. Whether it's the Bezoses or the Gates or the Zuckerbergs or any of these other big tech CEOs or shareholders that have billions upon billions of dollars or Soros, they're always leftists. And so this attack on the wealthy in our nation for not paying their fair share in taxes is really just sort of a mischaracterization. 
And what they really want to do is they want to point to all the yachts that the Zelenskys or the Soroses have or the Gateses have or the Bezoses have. And they want to say, see, these people obviously aren't paying their right fair share. And then they usher in new laws so they can just tax the hell out of your income as a middle class person. And no one in this sort of political elite class feels the pain or the difference in the policy. They can hire the lawyers and the accountants to get around all the laws. They can do the special sort of scapegoat policies, exercise the minutia of the law in order to get around what money goes where, when. So why is it that the left seems to have an exclusive monopoly over these billionaires and that so many of these billionaires, once they come into power, we see them use their companies and their monies to totally sway our elections. So it's true that we have laws in place and regulations in place to keep people from hyperfunding any individual candidate. There's maximums you can give as an individual to another candidate's campaign. There's maximums you can give as an individual to political parties. But then you can give to political action committees, and there's hundreds if not thousands of those. And if you're really a billionaire, you could just diversify how much money you're giving to these politicians or these political organizations across the entire nation. And you wind up in a situation where the likes of a Soros don't necessarily spend billions upon billions of dollars on one candidate in order to ensure that one candidate gets elected, but they spend millions upon millions of dollars across the board for every election whether it's federal, state, municipal, or hyper-local. And they can actually change the dynamic, the political dynamic of an entire nation as an individual. And don't get me wrong. I have no problem with people making an infinite number of amount of money. I don't think that anyone in this country is poor because someone else is rich. I think there's a, certainly an inverse correlation between how well our politicians do and how well our people do. And we know that Soros did some controversial things regarding currency swaps and what he did to the pound many decades ago. They seem to have recovered fine. But I'm not sitting here telling you that I have a problem with the wealthy, but I do have a problem with a wealthy political class that uses their wealth to single-handedly shape the landscape of a political climate in a whole entire nation, a superpower, mind you. And I don't think it should be even illegal what he's doing. I just think that it's bizarre that we've arrived at a position in our nation where we don't really have any mega rich superheroes. We've got mega rich supervillains. Like I said earlier, we've got the Zucks. We've got the Gateses. We've got the Soroses. We've got the Bezos. We've got mega rich supervillains. But where is our Batman? Where is our Bruce Wayne with an infinite wallet, infinite intelligence seemingly, who is countering the likes of Soros and others who are totally screwing over the American people who are working to put food on the table. It's crazy to me. I've talked to so many callers since I've been a guest on this show as a host, since Owen's been gone. And before that, I was guest hosting sometimes as well. I've spoken to so many callers, some of them calling in from trucks, some of them calling in literally on ladders, cleaning out gutters for their clients handymen, whatever, just blue-collar, regular, normal people at work, another day, another dollar trying to make ends meet. And they don't have the time 
or the power, frankly, as individuals to go out and make these types of changes that Soros can make. And that's fine. We're not all meant to accomplish the same thing. There's nothing so unequal as treating unequals equally. So it doesn't mean that there's some sort of systemic injustice, that there's this disparity of wealth. Because after all, we're all doing pretty well compared to so many other countries with even less freedom. But why is it that Elon Musk is like our only guy? And I know there's even skepticism around him. He's been questionable on some of his hiring policies with X, with the CEO that he hired. He obviously hasn't let Alex Jones back on the platform for one reason or the other. I don't mean animosity to do him. If anyone who's listened to me for more than two shows knows that I like Elon Musk a lot. But why is he the only one? And it seems to me that what happens is in order to make this amount of money, you have to be involved in these companies that are ultimately compromised. You have to be involved in these companies that are publicly traded. They've got boards of directors and the intelligence community has infiltrated them. And they force you from a financial standpoint with policies like diversity, equity, and inclusion and environmental sustainability and governance policies to comply with their political agenda. Otherwise, you're out of the club. And so the only really mega rich that remain are those who agree to bend the knee to the political class. And this guy is so self-righteous that he's literally buying a political climate and he's done it in more than one nation and he's done it time and time again and now he's got his son doing it i'm really torn because there's a part of me that's like all right you know i should the best i can do for this country is be on infowars as much as possible and try to make great content here because this is one of the last bastions of free speech on the internet with an audience our size and there's another part of me that's like man i need to figure out how to be a mega billionaire whether it's with AI technology or something, so that I can counter a Soros. Because like I've said over the last sort of week, it's kind of been a motif. If we have tyranny by conspiracy, then we have to have revolution by conspiracy. I'm not talking about violent revolution. We need to be conspiring and planning against these people because they are conspiring and planning against us. This is not a war that is being fought on a front. It is a war that is being fought in the shadows. So we need to learn how to play in the shadows. We need to learn how to put the visor on and sense the droid that is shooting the laser at us, so to speak, like from A New Hope on the Millennium Falcon when Obi-Wan Kenobi is training Luke Skywalker. We need to learn how to play ball in the dark like these people. So be thinking about that. We'll be taking calls in the third hour today. I want to talk about that. If you have any thoughts throughout the show today. In the meantime, visit InfoWarsStore.com. The InfoWars Store Cyber Week special has arrived, up to 60% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points. Ladies and gentlemen, the annual Cyber Week event at InfoWars Store has arrived, and we're bringing you a huge roster of sales, including recently restocked best-selling items at up to 60% off. In addition to those savings, we are offering free store-wide shipping and double Patriot points. Get 60% off BrainForce Plus, BrainForce Ultra, 50% off Real Red Pill Plus, Greens Fiber Capsules, Down and Out Sleep Support. Real Red Pill Plus is one of the ones, that along with DNA Force Plus, that callers call in about constantly and say how amazing it is. Check it out at InfoWarsStore.com and stick with us for more on the other side. America is waking up to the sad and painful fact that we've been under a multinational globalist deep state intelligence agency-controlled coup for decades in this country. We didn't have full control. 30, 40 years ago, but they're really attempting full control now. And that's where we are. And InfoWars has engaged in the best long-term analysis of the enemy operation and predicted the resistance movement would form against it 
and the fact that we would have major successes against the enemy, but they would then double, triple, quadruple down. That's where we are now. So it's more important than ever that InfoWars stay on the air. I just want to thank you all for your support and spreading the word. And it's more important than ever that we get funding. We try to make it easier for you to fund us by simply going to InfoWarsStore.com and getting great products that enrich you and your family's lives. I want to just encourage you all to not forget that without you, we won't be here. So please go to InfoWarsStore.com today, and I thank you. Please listen closely because this is life-changing critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12, Ultra 12, a bestseller finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at InfoWarsStore.com. So go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Get your Ultra 12 and other great products and for 40% off. Some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We've got an awesome guest coming up after this segment. I'm going to plug him a couple of times here. Senator George Borrello. Senator George Borrella is a conservative representing New York's 57th district in the state's legislature. He, along with other lawmakers and citizens in the citizens group uniting NYS, successfully sued Governor Hochul to prevent a gross overreach of power through the addition of Rule 2.13 to the health code dubbed, quote, isolation and quarantine procedures which gives the state the ability to quarantine people, temporary housing locations indefinitely. And what happened was, as I understand it, this was blocked and then now it's been reinstated. So we've got this new headline here. It says, Governor Kathy Hochul's power to enforce quarantine camps reinstated by New York Appeals Court. It's an article on Infowars.com. The New York Supreme Court has reinstated Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul's power to detain citizens in so-called quarantine camps indefinitely. Now, this can't be true. This can't really be happening. <laughs> well, that's exactly what the AP says. The claim, of course, is that New York Governor Kathy Hochul is trying to create quarantine camps in which people can be held against their will if they have COVID-19 or other diseases. Now, AP did a little assessment to determine whether or not that claim is actually true. AP's assessment, false. Officials have repeatedly said that the state has no intention to build quarantine camps. Oh, so it must be true <laughs> that they're not going to do it. They said they weren't going to do it. Critics are misrepresenting a temporary rule adopted during the COVID-19 pandemic that outlines powers by state health officials to isolate or quarantine people for the purpose of controlling a highly transmissible disease. The rule said that people can be isolated or quarantined in interim housing rather than just their own homes, but doesn't mention camps. It was deemed unconstitutional by a judge who said the state overreached, but 
also did not mention camps. And, of course, we know that now it's been reinstated. This article was from September 19th. Since then, it's been reinstated that it's not unconstitutional, apparently. She's no, going to be able to do it. Is that and right? So not only that, the, the merits of the case weren't actually heard. The reason it was dismissed was because they said that uh, Senator, yes, Senator Borrello and uh, his fellow lawmakers, as well as the group Unite NYS, had no standing to sue. Mm. And so because they hadn't the, done it. Well, well, no, it, it says it, they didn't have jurisdiction uh, to sue her, which is mind blowing. If you if you read the substack by attorney Bobby Ann Cox. The other thing that's really disingenuous about this AP article is that they say there's no mention of quarantine camps. But, you know, that's that's layman's terms. Uh, let, let's go to the official language. Uh, if you go to uh, rule 2.13 on on page eight of uh, of this amendment here, you'll see that it talks about, uh, uh, oh man, I got lost. Yeah. It's on, it, well, it says, it says these, these, I got it in the dash cam here. Highlighted. So for the purpose of isolation orders, isolation locations may include home isolation or such other residential or temporary housing location. So it's not the a public health authority issuing. It's a temporary housing location. Yeah, well, you could call Auschwitz temporary housing location, right? Or right. Dachau could be temporary housing location. It's not your house. You have to live there. So this is where we're housing you, right? Or Definitely. Is Owen in a temporary housing location right now? He's being housed. He's being held in a temporary housing location, temporary. right? They're providing shelter. Right? So, yeah, the AP comes out and says this is false. They say that it was overruled as unconstitutional, like as if it's moot. And then we see that this policy has been reinstated. And check out some of these other details. The crew did an awesome job of highlighting these. Whenever appropriate to control the spread of a highly contagious communicable disease, the state commissioner of health may issue and or may direct the local health authority to issue isolation and or quarantine orders consistent with due process of law. To all such persons as a state commissioner of health shall determine appropriate. So anybody that the state commissioner of health just wants to lock up, no problem. We went over the temporary housing part where they talk about the camps. They don't use the word camps, but it doesn't mean it's not a camp. It's, that's what a camp is. A, te- a camp itself is a temporary housing facility, whether it's a teepee, whether it's a tent. That's what a camp is. We're going to live here temporarily, and then we're going to move on, right? For the purpose of quarantine orders, quarantine locations may include home quarantine or other residential or temporary housing quarantine or quarantine at such other locations as the public health authority issuing the order deems appropriate, consistent with any direction that the state commissioner of health may issue. So if the state commissioner of health determines that they want you to live in a teepee outside, that would be appropriate then, I guess, under this law. Now it says... The location where the, well, where the person shall remain in isolation or quarantine unless travel is authorized by the state of local health authorities, such as medical care, here in this section. And the duration of the order is just, it's, it's, it's indefinite. It's indefinite. There's they, no they scientific basis the for these claims of six feet. Fit. Yeah, so, and that's the other thing. They're, they're using this, this uh, six feet rule. Right, which is what we saw, mm-hmm. you know, during COVID, which is arbitrary. There's no scientific basis for distancing six feet. It's right. completely arbitrary. Check this out. The state commissioner of health will be charged under this law with monitoring such persons to ensure compliance with the order and determine whether such person requires a higher level of medical care. Oh, you must need a higher level of medical care because you left the quarantine camp. Right. No, if you left your if you leave your house, the punishment. Right? Yeah. No, the, the, then, yeah, they'll, they'll make sure you comply. Wow. And then, yeah, if you go, yeah, 
You got it. <laughs> so check this out. Any person who violates a public health order shall be subject to all civil and criminal penalties as provided for by the law. For purposes of civil penalties, each day that the order is violated shall constitute a separate violation of this part. Oh, my God. Duty of attending physician. Now, this is the part that Matt was telling me about that's fascinating. Every attending physician shall immediately, upon discovering a case or suspected case of a highly contagious reportable communicable disease... (laughs) Cause the patient to be appropriately isolated and contact the State Department of Health and the local health authority where the patient is isolated and, if different, the local health authority where the patient resides. So we were talking about this during the break. This means that people are going to be reluctant to tell their doctors if they think or go to the doctor at all if they think that they're sick because they're going to be concerned that the physician is going to isolate them and they're going to have to stay in their house for an indefinite amount of time or at another location for an indefinite number of time. So imagine if you've got a family at home, the doctor says, oh, it's not good for you to be isolated there because you could get your family sick, so we're going to move you to a camp and we'll reunite you with your family at a later date when you've recovered. This is some sick stuff. I mean, like, the fact that the AP came out and And said that it was a false assessment saying that there's a quarantine camp loophole here is just... Totally asinine to me. Let's talk about, you know, the testing that you can get, right, that may have a false negative. Your doctor then reports you, right, right? which is a violation of of the confidentiality that you should have between you and your provider. But it says all due process of of the law, Matt. (laughs) The law is now whatever they say it is. That's what this order says. This is unbelievable. Well, I'm very excited to speak with Senator George Borrello in the next segment. Make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Just to refresh you in case you missed the beginning of the segment, Senator George Borrello is a conservative representing New York's 57th district in the state's legislature. He, along with other lawmakers and the Citizens Group Uniting NYS, successfully sued Governor Hochul to prevent a gross overreach of power through the addition of Rule 213 to the health code, dubbed Isolation and Quarantine Procedures, which gives the state the ability to quarantine people. Now, of course, this law seems to be re-potentialized. It's not reactivated, but the governor has been reissued or determined to have the authority to actually issue this procedure in future events, which we'll see are coming up. So stick with us. We're going to be speaking with Senator George Borrello on the other side. First came Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Super Mario Brothers, and now the ultimate retro nostalgia throwback game. I present to the world Alex Jones's New World Order Wars. They're turning the friggin' frogs game. I'll eat your ass. You Nazi scum. Let's free the Patriots and defeat the globalist techies. We are going to defeat the globalists very bigly. This game is mostly peaceful. Woo! I'm going to lower the world's population. <laughs> oh, big deal. I'm taking you down, rapist. I did not have sexual relations with that saxophone. <laughs> Download it now at alexjonesgame.com because as we all know, anything badass gets censored. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal. Watch live right now at band.video. 
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. With me in this segment and the next is Senator George Borrello, who is a conservative representing New York's 57th district in the state's legislature. He, along with other lawmakers and the Citizens Group Uniting NYS, successfully sued Governor Hochul to prevent a gross overreach of power through the addition of Rule 2.13 to the health code dubbed, quote, isolation and quarantine procedures, end quote, which gives the state the ability to quarantine people in temporary housing locations indefinitely. Now we've seen that there's some new developments since this successful case against Governor Hochul and this policy. Senator, it's an honor and pleasure to be with you. How are you today, sir? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you bringing attention to this. You're most welcome. So can you just give the audience a little bit of a brief overview of everything that's going on with with this case, how this started and where we are now? Well, how this started was, um, you know, I think a lot of would-be dictators uh, found that during the pandemic exactly how much they could get away with with a little bit of fear and misinformation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that uh, is exactly what happened in this case. So in New York State, uh, we already have rules. Uh, In fact, we have a law that has been in place since uh, for 70 years, since 1953, that outlines uh, what needs to be done in the event that someone is considered a public health threat. And in that law, there are plenty of due process protections. But that wasn't good enough for Kathy Hochul and her Department of Health. Instead, uh, they came up uh, during the waning days of the pandemic uh, with this new rule, uh, 2.13, that they added to the health code that essentially was a copy and paste from a piece of legislation, Assembly Bill A-14, which some of your your audience may have heard of. This was an assembly bill that's been around for seven years. It came out uh, during the Ebola situation, and it never went anywhere. This essentially was a bill uh, that would allow the government uh, to come in, the Department of Health, with no proof that you're sick, with no proof uh, that you are a threat to anyone, and take you from your home. No age limits uh, and no way to get out of whatever quarantine uh, that they bring you to. That is essentially what uh, this new Department of Health rule is. And it is a copy and paste from a bill that the New York State Legislature, even though it's run by a supermajority of Democrats in both houses, decided not to to, uh, take up. It's a bill that was an orphan. It never had a single co-sponsor. It never made it onto a committee agenda. It never had matching legislation in the Senate. But yet... Governor Hochul and her Department of Health saw fit to turn this into a rule, which brought us about to uh, Attorney Bobby Ann Cox uh, approaching me and other legislators about this egregious violation of the separation of powers. Uh, And uh, we brought a lawsuit back in uh, 2022. Uh, In that lawsuit, the state Supreme Court judge absolutely berated the, uh, the, the, the government, the the state government and the Department of Health in a 14-page decision that called out the not just the the fact that this was a egregious violation of the separation of powers, but it also lacked any due process for people. Uh, it also uh, was a against the law because it was in violation of the current law that's been in place for 70 years. Um, but of course, Governor Hochul and the Attorney General and uh, the Democrats who've been silent on this uh, decided to appeal this legislation. And in the appeal, and this is where it gets, uh, I think, really uh, just absolutely uh, outrageous. In the oral argument, uh, it was very clear that Bobby Ann Cox uh, had uh, countered any arguments that the attorney general had brought. 
so instead of making a ruling on the substance of the case, mm-hmm. the uh, the judges in the Fourth Appellate Division copped out and said that we, as New York State legislators, did not have standing to sue on a separation of powers lawsuit. They said we 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 didn't have the right to bring this uh, you know this suit to begin with. Which well, was then who does? If not you, who has the right to bring a suit at all? That's a good question. Uh, first and foremost, uh, it sounds to me like they think you have, would have have to have been taken from your home or locked down by the state government in order to have standing. That's basically how the ruling reads, wow. which is ridiculous because this is a law about the separation of powers. Right. And we had a very clear smoking gun when we pointed to the fact that we had a bill in the state assembly that never went anywhere that did exactly what this rule is doing. Uh, so clearly, the uh, the governor and the Department of Health were making a law, and they are not allowed to do that. That is the wrong branch of government. That's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, it's crazy because we covered a little bit of this in the last segment. I'm not sure if you were tuned in yet or not. But the AP comes out and claims that any claims that this this policy is about quarantine camps are false. That's what it says. And it says – you know, a couple of just sort of semantic things like, oh, it never uses the word quarantine camp in it. But then we actually read the law. I mean, it's on my desk here. We've been flipping through the pages. Things like if your physician suspects you of being sick, then they can send you away to these camps. I mean, it's it's really obviously very egregious. What were some things in the temporary housing facilities? That's right. What were some things in the um, in the document that were most alarming to you just to give some bullet points to the to the audience here? Well, let's talk about the AP and their, uh, you know, essentially being a, uh, you know, a mouthpiece and just parroting the governor's talking points. So they did this uh, quote unquote fact check uh, where they said, well, it never says quarantine camps. It says temporary housing of the government's choosing. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like a quarantine camp to me. Uh, And when you look at the the wording of this, uh, it's really – it's it's frightening because you know they they tried to make this and the AP also uh, tried to corroborate this. He said, "Well, this is only about highly contagious diseases like COVID." Absolutely not. There is a very long list of diseases that would qualify and activate this rule. Uh, many of which are not even communicable diseases, by the way. On that list, which by the way could easily be changed uh, by the Department of Health and the Commissioner of the Department of Health. On that list currently. Uh, are things like botulism, food poisoning, uh, toxic shock syndrome, uh, and Lyme disease. Now, those are serious diseases, but they are not communicable diseases. So literally, a bureaucrat from the Department of Health, state or local, could show up at your house, knock on your door, and say, "Uh, I believe your son has been exposed to botulism, and we are taking him with the police in tow. And if you ask the question, well, where is he going? Well, we'll let you know. Well, when will I see him again? We'll let you know. Literally, these are the kind of things that would make Xi Jinping blush. And this is a Department of Health regulation in New York State that the governor feels she needs to have. So now is the list exhaustive or is it, is, does it just list some examples and then say, among others, you know, at the end of, of the diseases that would be qualified under the, under the, the new law? It's a list of about, if I had to guess, about 30 different diseases. Like I said, uh-huh. uh, I would I would wager to say at least half of which are not communicable diseases. Right, right. And do you think that any diseases outside of that list of 30 could also be used in this, in the, under the current law, or would they have to amend the law in order to include more diseases? This is not a law. Let's be very clear. This okay. is not a law. It is a Department of Health regulation, which means it's essentially written on an etch-a-sketch that the governor, <laughs> the commissioner, can just shake up and start over again. 
Wow. Wow. That's that's absolutely insane. So what is next? What is the next step in order to get this prevented? Because it, like you said, with this ruling saying that nobody has has really a case to bring since nobody's suffered under this procedure or this this policy. Obviously, by the time that people are going over to going into camps, it's too late. It's, you, know, you can't really sue the Third Reich after they already start sending you to Dachau, right? And I'm not trying to compare this to the Holocaust, but it is kind of like that. They're sending people away to camps, and it's indefinite temporary housing facilities. By the time you're actually on the train, it's too late, right? So what's the next step in order to prevent this from manifesting at all? Well, to your point, you know, they have complete control over you. If they say you're not going to take your phone, you're not going to have any communication when you're inside this this quarantine facility, you're not going to they're going to decide what medications you can take and cannot take. It is that expansive. Uh, you know, what's what probably to me the most egregious is that uh, throughout history, every dictator has said, we really need to suspend all of your uh, freedoms, but it's for your own good. Right. And this is another example of that. Wow. Wow. That's just crazy. So we're going to come up on a break here in about 30 seconds. Stick with us, Senator. It's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. We're going to have more questions for you on the other side of this break in the next segment. So many things come to mind. In the meantime, I want to encourage the audience to go to InfoWarsStore.com for a Cyber Week special, which has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the annual Cyber Week event at InfoWars Store has arrived, and we're bringing you a huge roster of sales, including recently restocked best-selling items at up to 60% off. Make sure you stick with us for more from Senator Borello on the other side. If you ever take one piece of my advice, it's get a bottle of X2. It's been sold out for over a year because we wouldn't cut corners and because it's so hard to produce. We finally have a limited run back in supply at InfoWarsStore.com. So many people have serious issues. Look at the UN's own numbers. Billions have cognitive disabilities because they do not have true nascent iodine in their bodies. Most of the other iodine is bound to other heavy metals or bound to other elements so you don't download it. But this is pure atomic certified iodine. X2 is now back in stock, discounted. So I'm giving Thanksgiving right now for this product being here. It funds the info war, but I guarantee you, you take this for a few weeks, you will feel the difference. It is amazing. It's the missing link X2 back in stock at the end of 2023 at InfoWarsStore.com. X2. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed, dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. With us, we have a very distinguished special guest, Senator George Borrello. Senator, I was reading through this policy, and there's some concerns that arise about doctor-patient confidentiality. Obviously, if you're going to your physician and your physician is mandated by any sort of procedure or policy to report your condition to a government authority, isn't that sort of a violation in and of itself of our due process protections under the Fourth Amendment of the United States of America? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it's amazing. Again, what uh, I think you, uh, if you go back to Benjamin Franklin, he said that those would that sacrifice essential liberty mm-hmm. uh, for a little mm-hmm. temporary security end up with neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really mm-hmm. an example of that. That, um, and I will tell you that doctors in New York State uh, are. Uh, really um, afraid to to do things like give medical exemptions for vaccines um, because the Department of Health has the ultimate authority over them. So they are, they like you, are really forced the political nature of this. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. You just froze for a second. I wanted to make sure you stood there. Would you mind reiterating that last sentence one more time just to make sure that the audience gets it? Sure. Um, what I'm saying is that uh, right now the of this override the, uh, the the public health. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, tell me a little bit about what your thoughts are on selective enforcement with this. We obviously saw during the pandemic that some of the policies and regulations that were in place were sort of only impacting mom and pop shops, small businesses. So if you owned an independent restaurant, maybe you had to shut down or you couldn't afford to stay in business, but the major chains were able to be very successful during this time. We know that a lot of brick and mortar retailers suffered when the Amazons of the world did well. And of course, this is a little bit different of an issue because we're talking about individuals in quarantine camps and not policies that disproportionately impact different businesses differently. But what are your thoughts having looked at this policy about how selective enforcement could be a vulnerability? Well, there's no question about it that this regulation could be selectively enforced, and it could be used uh, to act out on personal vendettas. Uh, um, I'm a small business owner. My wife and I are in the restaurant business, and the pandemic was very tough on us and uh, many other small businesses. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, in the, the the first year of the pandemic, uh, I recall Mother's Day. You know, you could not walk into a jewelry store, a, a locally owned jewelry store, and buy a piece of jewelry for your mother. But you could walk into Walmart with a thousand other people and buy jewelry there. So it was a boon for big box stores and mega retailers, who, by the way, are typically more liberal and typically support uh, the uh, the Democrats in power. So there's no doubt about it that this was used to squash local businesses and to support, you know, the, the big mega donors of the Democratic Party. Uh, that being said, to your point, um, this could be selectively enforced. Let's just say, for example, a local public health official uh, is uh, has a son that's uh, or has a daughter that's uh, that your son is dating, and he doesn't like your son. Well, he has the power under this rule two thirteen to show up at your door with the police and say, "I believe your son has been exposed to toxic shock syndrome, and I am taking him from your home." That's and I know people think that that's crazy. That'll never happen. But look what happened during the pandemic. Look at the uh, the things that happened, not just here, but around the world. It absolutely could happen. And we saw a lot of personal vendettas acted out. I mean, I heard stories here locally where code enforcement officers were under uh, the authority of Andrew Cuomo, um, were uh, writing tickets and fines uh, mm-hmm. to people that were doing landscaping because you're allowed to put down fertilizer, but you're not allowed to plant new bushes. Uh, and I'm and I'm you know I'm citing you for that. Those are the kind of little dictators that were created across this nation uh, as a result of a little authority that was handed to them by people like Andrew Cuomo. Could this feasibly be applied to state sessions where? 
if you know if you have a Democratic governor and there's a major vote coming up and you don't want a certain number of Republicans to show up, you could just you know accuse them of botulism and lock them up. I mean, are there concerns about that, or is that just sort of kind of a silly hyperbolic extremist view of this? Well, look, um, I think that uh, we all look at certain things and go, that's highly unlikely. Sure. But the question is, is it possible? Yes. And the answer is yes. This rule is so broad. Uh, and it, again, it's a violation of separation of powers. It is the executive branch creating law, which is against the Constitution. And if you look at it that way, you know, what else would be allowed if this is allowed to stand? If the uh, the court of appeal, if the court of appeals, which is our next step, decides not to hear this, then basically what they're saying is there will be a very narrow scope of who actually has standing to sue the government. Uh, that's very scary, not just here but across the nation. If the, the the courts have decided to bow to political pressure from the executive branch, that has scary implications. Yeah, that's terrifying. I wonder what the policies were during the '80s in New York under the the HIV AIDS scare, right? So there's the famous instance of that hemophiliac Ryan White from the Ryan White story. I'm not sure if you're familiar or not, Senator, where he was infected with hepatitis and HIV and ultimately died of AIDS because the medicine that he was using for hemophilia was contaminated. It was a blood product that was contaminated. There was a major problem with that in the 80s with donors giving blood. They didn't necessarily know that they had AIDS or HIV. And then those who used that blood would get sick. And the Ryan White story is famous because this kid was kicked out of school uh, because everyone was afraid that they were going to catch AIDS. It was before we knew about how it's transmitted very well. And he ultimately won and was able to go back to school. And that's highly controversial, highly publicized story. Elton John, I think, played the piano at his funeral. I mean, this was a famous case. Michael Jackson was there. Uh, are there were there any similar cases to that that you're aware of? And I don't mean to put you on the spot with you know, sort of uh, very niche law, but were there similar instances in the past in, in, in New York in the 80s with how things like that were handled prior to this sort of new policy or procedure that could maybe be used in some sort of court of law? Well, look, I, I think that... Uh in New York, we have seen a transformation, honestly. You know, we were once, um, I would call, uh, a purple state, uh, you know, but and back in the 80s, quite frankly, um, you know, New York City was a cesspool, mm -hmm. and the rest of the state uh, was immune, largely because we had balance in our state government. We had uh, Republicans uh, traditionally controlled the New York State Senate, and Democrats controlled the Assembly. And that created essentially a, uh, a need for compromise. It created a need uh, for uh, regionalism in the sense that, look, if you if the people in New York City think that some crazy far-left idea is a good idea, then keep it in New York City. Um, but now the Democrats have decided they are going to impose their will on on every corner of this state. And New York State is a very diverse state. It, it, it's, uh, it's far more, uh, if you look at a map, uh, for example, of where Kathy Hochul won, out of the 62 counties in New York State, I think she won less than a dozen. Yeah, Illinois uh, is the same so, way. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's very much the, the, this uh, you know, major metropolitan area that is dominated by far-left progressives. And uh, now they have decided that they have to impose their will on the rest of the state. Uh, and that has uh, shown itself in, in things like this, these draconian rules. It has shown itself in the, the way the so-called migrant crisis uh, has, has permeated New York State, with New York State being a sanctuary state. And now New York City, who is uh, you know, finally saying, look, we can't handle this anymore, but instead of changing their sanctuary status, they've decided to spread the pain like cancer uh, throughout the rest of the state and ship uh, these illegal immigrants throughout the state. And uh, this is how New York is now. 
Uh, and it's unfortunate because I still believe the majority of New Yorkers, even those who are, are who are registered Democrats, are Yeah, I think we might have lost the senator there for a second. So we're going to work on that to see if we can get him back connected. He's back? Yes. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You sound great. So there's one more question that I wanted to ask you. I wanted to give the opportunity to let the audience know what they can do to help. What is the call to action here? What can we do to prevent this from happening in New York? Well, first and foremost, uh, let me say this. If you are a New Yorker, um, contact the governor's office. Tell her that she should not reinstate Rule 213 of public health law, uh, that it is a egregious violation of the separation of powers. So New Yorkers should speak out against this. And again, this is not a Republican versus Democrat issue. It just so happens that the Democrat governor and the Democrat attorney general have brought this about. Uh, I would also uh, uh, direct you to uh, to Bobby Ann Cox, who is the brave attorney who's doing this case pro bono. Um, and uh, her ex uh, handle is at attorney Cox. Uh, underscore Cox, so attorney underscore C-O-X, uh, and uh, you can follow her uh, on X. Uh, you can also follow me under Senator Borello, uh, at Senator Borello. Um, please reach out. Please show your support. Uh, please reach out to elected officials. If you are in New York State, <clears throat> understand that uh, if you are represented by a Democrat in the Senate or the Assembly, they have been silent on this issue. Let them know that this is not okay. That, uh, that turning New York State into a socialist dictatorship is not okay. Well, thank you so much thank for you. your time this morning, Senator. It was really an honor and a pleasure to speak with you on this important issue. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. I just want to let the audience know that we're going to have more on the other side. More great news coming in the next hour. In the meantime, make sure you take Senator George Borello's advice. Follow him on Twitter and call the office of Governor Ogle. Let her, let her know not to allow this procedure to move forward. And in the meantime, visit InfoWarsStore.com. Get Survival Shield X2, which is finally back in stock. Get it for 25% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points. After all, the healthier you are, the less likely you are to be encamped. So go to InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we're still on the air and the reason you're out of the quarantine camps. Finally, after close to a year, In early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue so you get better absorption of the body through your blood vessels. And what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean energy, focus, immune system, everything. And it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888-253-3139. And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWar as well. Last Thursday in Dublin, five people were injured in a knife attack, including three young children. The stabbing took place near an elementary school where it appears the culprit was targeting children. Riots broke out. 
event is just the latest in a long string of violence resulting from the radical globalist immigration scheme. The attacker was ordered to be deported back in 2003, but was given the political support to stay and appeal it, and was arrested earlier this year for possession of a knife and criminal damage, but did not receive a conviction due to a mental health report given to the court. If you've been paying attention, then you will recognize this as a common result of the United Nations Replacement Migration Plan. Children being attacked, women being raped, and perpetrators walking free is now a predictable outcome of forcing an established Christian culture to submit to a foreign, non-assimilating Islamic culture, many of whom are openly seeking to replace the local culture with their own by any means necessary. Radical Islam demands it. If this were a humanitarian effort, then refugees would be expected to assimilate as they have for millennia. The rule of law depends on it, but this is a globalist invasion, and whether they know it or not, the so-called migrants are being used as an invading force. And instead of being conquered with violence, the native people are being attacked with name-calling, stunned into silence with guilt by being called a racist. But people are starting to wake up to it. Three out of four Irish people understand that they are being guilted into giving away their country, and they oppose it. But the government doesn't care. They are now preparing to pass new hate speech laws that will criminalize possession of materials likely to incite violence or hatred. These laws will make it illegal to criticize immigration policy, which isn't going to slow down anytime soon. Can you guess what the most popular boy's name was in Galway in 2022? No idea. Was it Jack? Tommy? I'd say for probably Connor. Let's say David. I think it was Sean. Yes. Uh, Jack. Kian. 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 Yeah. Peter. Who? Patrick. Richard. Richard. It was not Richard. Was it? Oh fuck! Didn't see that coming. It wasn't Richard. No. Would you like to know what it was? Yeah. According to the CSO in 2022, the most popular boy's name in Galway was Mohammed. I, I, I read that somewhere, yeah. Okay. Wasn't expecting that, but okay. Wow. Okay. Fair enough, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, hey! Mohammed! Greg Reese reporting. Visit infowars.com forward slash show today. 
folks. More on the other side. Short break here and more news coming in the next hour. Followed by your calls in the final hour. Make sure you stay tuned. InfoWars. Tomorrow's news. Today. With your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We had a great guest in the last 30 minutes, the last half of the last hour. Senator George Borrello is fighting the good fight in New York to prevent quarantine camps from manifesting as a reality. Seems like the globalists, the leftists, the internationalists are constantly doing everything they can to subjugate us, and the camps are real, despite what the AP says. We read the actual document on the show, so we don't have to take AP's word for it that claims of quarantine camps are false, when the actual documents itself, the procedure itself, explicitly states that temporary housing facilities would be appropriate for a number of communicable and even non-communicable diseases. And they've appealed, won against the governor, and then the powers were reinstated for the governor, citing that the case was moot to begin with. So now the government has this power. The governor has this power. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And we see that they're not only trying to set up the laws that will allow them to quarantine you, but we're seeing all these policies and these stories come up that show that they really want this next pandemic to happen. They really want another round of COVID so that they can continuously abuse their powers in these new policies time and time again, whether it's for election procedures or whether it's to quarantine political dissidents. It's really atrocious. A child pneumonia cases are surging in Europe as fears rise over outbreak in China. Another country is reporting a mysterious surge in illnesses in children. I've been seeing, have you guys been seeing this? I've been seeing reports of people's dogs getting pneumonia. So they're saying your dog's going to die now. And then I'm seeing reports of this new pneumonia in China. We're seeing China come out and say that they may have found another sort of novel COVID virus that has mutated in the same way as the first one in a way to sort of backpedal from accusations that this came from the lab. And we see top Trump White House health officials are saying it's certainly possible that China killed the researcher who started the COVID pandemic by throwing him off the Wuhan lab roof. What? A Wuhan lab scientist who was secretly working on the COVID-19 vaccine months before the pandemic broke out may have been responsible for unleashing the virus upon the world and then murdered by the Chinese government for it, according to a retired high-ranking health official who worked in the Trump administration. Dr. Robert Cadlick served in the Trump administration as an official in biodefense and epidemic response departments during the COVID-19 pandemic and co-founded the COVID vaccine development program Operation Warp Speed. So a little bit of a mixed bag there. To say the least, Cadillac revealed in a Sky News interview that aired on November 27th that the coronavirus could have escaped the Wuhan Institute of Virology at the hands of Chinese military scientist Zhu Yusen, who was conducting gain-of-function research on live animals in late 2019. We know that this virus likely, likely came out of the lab in September. Based on the data that we have, the RFPs that were instituted at the Wuhan lab for things like new ventilation systems at the time, Dr. Yusen filed a patent in February of 2020 for a COVID vaccine he was 
believed to have been secretly developing for months, just three months after the first case of the virus was reported in China. So I don't think he commit, committed suicide because why would you file a patent to protect your intellectual property rights if you're going to kill yourself? Three months after that, Dr. Yusen died under mysterious circumstances around May of 2020 when he, quote, fell from the roof of the institute. What was he doing on the roof to begin with? If you're a scientist that's patenting vaccines, they send you up to the roof to check on the leak? They just thought, oh, by the way, if you have any downtime today, could you replace some of the shingles on the roof of the lab? Or could you go up to the roof and check the ventilation system? No. That's not his job. What was he doing on the roof to begin with? And we know that the communists, they just love throwing people out of windows off of roofs. We know that the Saudis do the same thing, which, of course, is why Queers for Palestine Palestine is so ironic because roof throwing is exactly what they would do to people of any sort of different sexual orientation or with any sort of gender dysphoria. And so we see these reports that mask social distancing are returning to China amid mystery outbreak we see that there's this new pneumonia surging everywhere we see other reports that people's dogs are dying of this mysterious lung disease now we're hearing that scientists are being thrown off the roofs of labs in china despite the fact that china's saying oh the labs had nothing to do with it they know they know what happened they know exactly what happened and they let it spread and they want the next level of this pandemic to happen they want pandemic 2.0 to happen because they want to be able to actualize and use these new procedures policies and laws that they passed the last time that are going to allow them to put you into quarantine camps to lock you up to separate you from your family to go to your doctor without any sort of assurance that there's going to be any confidentiality of any of your health situations they want to make sure that your doctor is reporting to the state Exactly your condition. So the state can respond in a way that is conducive to the greater good. And of course, now what's going to happen is nobody's going to go to their doctor and they're going to get sick and they're going to die more often. And they're going to say mortality's up because there's a pandemic and it's really just because people aren't getting mammograms and tested for cancer or going to the doctors at all because they're afraid that the doctor is going to report them to the state and the state's going to lock them up. This is the major problem with the Affordable Care Act, with, with Obamacare, that nobody ever really talked about. People talked about how expensive it was and how it didn't make any sense and how premiums were going to go up. But when push comes to shove, we know that if the state is paying for your health care and assuming the responsibility of your health care, then they're going to want to determine your health. They're going to crack down on things like smoking, and they're going to crack down on things like obesity. They're going to try to control what you eat, what you drink. They're going to put stuff in the water. They're going to try to get you to mental health facilities. They're going to do everything they can in the name of your health to violate your rights because, after all, they're the ones paying the bill for your health. And then when they realize that that's just getting way too expensive, that's when they usher in things like euthanasia. That's the real reason that we're seeing this conversation manifest in the international communities, namely in Canada, where we're talking about the right to die. People should be able to kill themselves if they want to. And now we're seeing suggestions that just if you have a little bit of depression or if you've had an injury, you should just be killed because it would be cheaper just to die than to fix the problem or to address the issue. Or if you've got any sort of a chronic illness, it'd be better to die than have to live with that. But the fact of the matter is we are all dying. We are all the victims of a chronic illness that is our own mortality. Ever since the fall of man in Genesis, this is our fate to die. So regardless of whether you're dying in six months or whether you're dying in 60 years, you are dying. And the state is going to use any excuse, any threshold, any arbitrary sort of line in the sand 
as a catalyst to euthanize you. They want to depopulate you as soon as you aren't a productive member of society. We saw it from the Nazis. We see it from the communists, and now we're seeing it here in the United States. If you can't pay taxes, if you can't pay into the system, if you are not productive, if you are not of military fighting age where you can fight on behalf of the political class, then you should just die. But we'll make you very comfortable. We're going to put you in a nice soft bed in a very cool-looking pod. You're going to feel like you are warping into your favorite science fiction movie. And then you're going to fall asleep and you're going to die just like a criminal sentenced to capital punishment. But it'll all be voluntary because we pumped you so full of SSRIs. We put so many chemicals in the water. We've berated you and demoralized you to such an extent that you will be happy at the notion of the relief of death. And the thing that's so bizarre about it to me is they're going to come out and say that these pandemics are a crisis and an emergency because of the amounts of death that these illnesses could supposedly cause. And then they're going to use as an excuse to manifest these new policies for the safety to prevent the illness. And then as a consequence of these policies, more people will actually die. So you're not actually trading your liberty for safety. You're trading your liberty for death. You don't get anything in return. It's, it's just a lose. It's a 360 lose. Everybody loses except for the leftists and the globalists and the internationalists who are able to eradicate their political dissidents, their political opponents, who are able to de- demoralize the populations that had or could potentially have the power to unseat them in the halls of Congress or any other government. We're experiencing genocide 2.0. We're experiencing a mass depopulation from all fronts, whether it's what we eat, what we drink, what our doctors put into us. They've been killing us for years, and they're going to kill us for years to come unless we do something about it. Make sure you stick with us, folks. More on the other side. Frustrating things about being awake to the globalist agenda is seeing the general public still asleep. By and large, not aware of the magnitude of the incredible danger they're under, but also the ongoing attacks and the magnitude of the death caused by the lethal injections masquerading as vaccines. It is so frustrating to see people going about their daily lives oblivious. And you realize ignorance is not bliss, it equals death. But people are starting to really understand how serious things are. And that's that's a hard thing to do because to wake up to a dystopic reality and realize that we're in the middle of a giant biological weapons war against humanity and that there's mass sterilization that's already taking place and they're cutting off all the major energy sources is really hard to deal with, but it's the reality. Facing it is our only chance to turn this around because stuff's about to get really, really nasty. Infowars.com. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me. Not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because 
you're a bad person because you're a good person. Because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. And that's why I want you to always remember that I appreciate you and I thank you. Because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. I'm Chase Geiser, your host, this morning. I don't know what to make of this CIA UFO stuff. New report, the CIA routinely obtains UFO wreckage and intact vehicles, transfers ownership to private parties. A lot to unpack just in that headline. According to a bombshell report by the Daily Mail, an arm of America's Central Intelligence Agency has been tracking and gathering alien aircraft for decades including cloaked UFOs, invisible, non-human craft. I don't know if this is a PSYOP. I don't know if these UFOs are actually alien technology. I don't know if they're coming from another part of the universe or if they're coming from another dimension that's co-located with Earth. I don't know if it's just advanced military technology testing and the pilots that see these phenomena don't have need to know, so they think that it's something that we haven't made. I don't know if they're just trying to psychologically prepare us as a people for some sort of an alien threat so that we can look to this fake sort of third-party enemy instead of to each other's enemies in an effort to some, establish some sort of globalization. But I do know that I'm not very pleased to see our CIA acquiring UFOs in nine locations all over the world and then giving those materials to private businesses. Now, I haven't read through the reports substantially, but I imagine that these UFOs wind up in the hands of the likes of the Lockheed Martins and the Raytheons and the other military-industrial complex contractors because they have the talent and the infrastructure in place to analyze advanced technologies. It seems to me that this is likely an international arms race that's happening on a top-secret level right beneath our eyes, right beneath our nose. Similar to what was happening with the Cold War, of course, the difference is that during the Cold War, it was highly public because we needed to amass incredible amounts of support for the government to hike up its military spending as much as possible. We needed to psychologically manipulate the people against cop- communism, which, of course, I'm against communism, but that was definitely what was going on. You can see it in every movie that came out during the 80s. It was either Rocky Four or Red Dawn. It was just this communist Cold War fear, even though there was never a nuclear war, maybe even never a threat. And I wonder if the real threat are these or is these advanced technologies and they're so alarming that they've even kept it a secret that we've had this war. So with the Cold War, it was cold. It wasn't hot, but it was a public war. Everybody knew about it, but maybe we've got this sort of cold cloaked war going on right now. But what's really bizarre to me is that We're seeing this now. Why is it that all these stories are coming out now? I know it's because of these alleged whistleblowers, but 
frankly, I think that 90 percent of the whistleblowers that we see are actually ops. They're, oper- they're operatives. They're coming out with news at a, at a strategic time that the intelligence community decides they either want the public to know about something or that they want the public to focus on something instead of another story that's going on. I mean, remember what happened with – what was the name of that submarine that was going down to the Titanic? Was it called the Titan? This was just a couple of months ago. All these allegations came out against Hunter Biden. There was all this heat on Hunter Biden. And then this sort of tin can cylinder goes down for a multi-million dollar or multi-hundreds of thousands of dollar visit to the Titanic. It implodes the Titan. That's right. And all we can hear about for days is that this submarine was running out of oxygen. Right, So we know now, when you look at the transcripts of what was happening, this cylinder can that these rich people were sitting in to go visit the Titanic, pretty cool thing. Obviously, it was stupid that they were using this technology to go that deep because of the pressure. It was operated by a video game controller, and there was constant communication between the submarine and the surface. We know that they were having problems according to the transcript of the messages. We know that they were trying to resurface, but they weren't gaining, I don't know if the word's altitude, They weren't rising to the surface fast enough. And we know that the communication stopped at the same exact instant that the military detected what was an implosion in the ocean. And they knew exactly where it was. But for days, we're hearing from the mainstream media that, oh, this is how much oxygen they have left. And, oh, we're trying to find them. And, oh, we're going to try to bring them back. And they could be survived. And we're seeing pictures of the families and pictures of the kids on the news. They knew the whole time that the sub imploded right away. They were reporting that there was an issue, that they weren't getting to the surface in time. We heard the implosion. They were able to detect exactly where it happened. They know exactly what depth they were. They were over the Titanic. They were going down to see the Titanic. You don't have to do a search party to find these people. They knew they were dead the whole time, and they ran this story. They pushed this narrative because they were trying to cover up the Hunter Biden stuff and the other embarrassing stuff that the Biden administration was going through. It was all exploited as an op to keep our minds, our eyes, and our ears off of what was really going on. And I wonder if this CIA crap, because everybody loves UFOs. Everybody loves to think about whether or not there's extraterrestrials or interdimensional beings. Everybody wants to talk about whether aliens are going to come here, what the nature of our universe is, whether we're alone or whether there is life all over the place. What happens when we die? Is there some sort of a species that could come here and enlighten us? Or are we threatened by some sort of an international, inter- universal, inter- intergalactic species that would come here and enslave us and use our resource everybody wants to talk about that so whenever there's some sort of a story that they don't really want you paying attention to whether it's a hunter biden thing whether it's the war in ukraine and losing that war whether it's the war in israel and all the civilians that are dying on both sides and all the corruption involved in that they come out with some sort of just a real zinger don't they they come out with a cia story there's some random whistleblower who for no apparent incentive or reason decides that he's going to reveal to the public this information. And keep in mind, traditionally when we have whistleblowers, it makes sense why they're blowing the whistle, right? So Edward Snowden's a good example of this. This is somebody who loves America. He loved his country. He's very patriotic. He found that his technology, his work was being used for malicious purposes. And he thought, wow, if I don't blow the whistle, then the Americans, the citizens, my fellow citizens are going to be in real trouble not knowing that they're being surveilled and their rights are being violated. It made sense for him to blow the whistle. 
I mean, that was a serious secret that he had that was really impacting the American people in a negative way that they didn't know it. But why is just a random guy coming out and saying, oh, by the way, I've decided at this moment I'm going to tell the public about the government's secret departments and operations about UFOs because it's time for the people to know that we are being visited by aliens. That doesn't really make sense. Like if I worked for the government and I was working on alien stuff, I would actually keep that a secret. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't want to come out and tell everybody and just expose it to the world. I don't want the world to know in an uncontrolled or unmanaged way about aliens crashing on our planet. If If there's some sort of a threat that I feel like the intelligence community or the government or whatever the military could deal with without putting the people into some sort of a massive psychological crisis, I don't know that I would share that information. I certainly wouldn't share the information if I swore I wouldn't. If I signed a document or an NDA or if I was in top secret clearance, I'm not telling anybody squat. I would only blow the whistle when laws are being broken or rights are being violated, none of which seem to be the case in this instance with this UFO stuff. It's not like he's blowing the whistle so Americans know their rights have been violated by the government. He's just blowing the whistle so he can tell a cool story about some cool technology they found that they think might have come from a different planet or a different dimension, but maybe it's just more military technology. I don't know. It's bizarre. If you ever take one piece of my advice, it's get a bottle of X2. It's been sold out for over a year because we wouldn't cut corners and because it's so hard to produce. We finally have a limited run back in supply at InfoWarsStore.com. So many people have serious issues. Look at the UN's own numbers. Billions have cognitive disabilities because they do not have true nascent iodine in their bodies. Most of the other iodine is bound to other heavy metals or bound to other elements, so you don't download it. But this is pure atomic certified iodine. X2 is now back in stock, discounted. So I'm giving Thanksgiving right now for this product being here. It funds the info war, but I guarantee you, you take us for a few weeks, you will feel the difference. It is amazing. It's the missing link X2 back in stock at the end of 2023 at infowarstore.com. X2. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. I don't really want to talk about Ukraine anymore because it's like beating a dead horse. But there is just one thing I want to point out that I saw on the desk this morning. I can't believe I didn't notice it before, to be honest with you. I should have looked into this. We got this story here on the overhead cam. Ukraine spy chief's wife, 30, poisoned in assassination attempt after her husband led missile and drone blitz on Russia. So the purpose of this article is to show an example of the cruelty of the Russians in that they would target a military leader's wife in the event that that military leader a campaign or a mission against Russia. And that's true. That's, that's very problematic. I don't think that you should kill somebody's family in a war because of the actions that they do as a soldier. 
But what they fail to mention, if we look at this picture here, I never saw this before, but here's the guy. Does that look familiar to you up there? Does that look familiar? That's, that's an iron cross, right? I can't believe that our government and the international community has denied the fact that the Ukrainians are Nazis to this extent. I mean, it's so entrenched. It's, in, it's embedded in their uniform. And this is not explicitly an Azov battalion guy. I mean, maybe he is, but I don't think so because he's a drone missile guy. I don't know. It doesn't look like Azov battalion material to me. It's just an iron cross with the Ukrainian trident in it. Can we pull up that picture of Elkins Park, Philadelphia, that 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 we talked about it on air before, you know, the, the cemetery that's got the iron cross too, just so we can do like a an AB here. But... There's just no denying that these people are absolutely 100% Nazis, or at least their whole entire military infrastructure is based on the Third Reich, based on the SS, based on the 250,000 people that participated in the war against Russia in World War II. And so the fact that the likes of Trudeau gave a standing ovation for a Nazi is no surprise because you can't really find a soldier in the military that isn't a Nazi. Yeah, it's the same exact symbol, right? It's an iron cross. These are the SS people, right? This is the people who served in the German military during World War II and the same exact iron cross with the same exact trident symbol thing is on the hat today. So it's not like, oh, they used to be Nazis. Now they're not anymore. No, they used to be Nazis and they still are. It's the official insignia of this official military hat, of this official military uniform. And I know it's being a dead horse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I am. I, I'm going to move on from this. I've talked about it a million times. You guys all know. You know. But it's just unbelievable to me. So speaking of Nazi sympathizers, Trudeau supports a partnership with the EU for digital ID push, suggested will help curb online disinformation. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, a proponent of centralized control, has finalized a controversial collaborative digital partnership with the European Union. This agreement exhibits full commitment to the introduction of a digital identity system in Canada, and the government is pursuing it in part under the guise of fighting online disinformation. We know that the digital ID serves only one purpose. The purpose is a social credit score. And they know, we know that this technology, though, maybe it could be used for good in terms of making sure that everybody in the country is actually a citizen. There are, there are good applications for, for IDs and social security numbers and things like that. There are positive applications. For them. These positive applications are always used as an excuse to bring in the new technology or the new policy so that they can just exploit it and absolutely abuse it to make it so you wish you'd never done it all in the first place. And so he's going to come out with this digital ID system. And what's interesting to me is that it's not immediately obvious how a digital ID would have anything to do with curbing online disinformation. So when you're talking to just the general public here and you're talking about a digital ID, you use things like, oh, we want to make sure that it's more convenient for you to get into a bar and all you're going to have to do with your digital ID is you know, scan your thumb or some sort of biometric measurement and you just pop right in. If you forgot your ID, no problem. If you get pulled over, no problem. If you don't have your ID, you can just do your thumbprint. That's the type of language that they would typically use to justify this new stuff. They would try to encourage the public to support it because of the convenience of the new technology. But now we're seeing in the headlines themselves, just in, in these short sentences, they're literally suggesting that this is going to help curb disinformation, curb disinformation. How is it that a digital ID could inherently curb disinformation? The fact of the matter is it can't unless it's tied to a social credit score mechanism. 
mechanism. I'm putting the emphasis on the wrong syllables. <laughs> but what they want to do is they want you to have a digital ID so that everything you do on the internet can be tracked, so they can establish a social credit score, so that if you don't meet certain thresholds, then you can be labeled as disinformation or misinformation or even potentially banned from having access to these platforms. Canada doesn't have the same laws that we have. They shut down bank accounts like it was nobody's business some months ago with the trucker protesters. And I don't think anybody was actually held accountable. I mean, Trudeau's head did not roll after that. And so you think that he's not going to use this digital ID to abuse powers even more if he's been shutting down bank accounts of truckers because they blocked certain roads? This whole digital ID thing is totally unnecessary. All you really need to live is food, shelter, and fresh air. But we keep seeing our governments come at us and saying that we need this, we need that, we need this, we need that. You need universal health care. Health care is a universal right. Therefore, the government should pay for it. Even though the Second Amendment is a universal right, it's actually stated in the Constitution. And I've never seen the government buy me an AR-15. I would like to be reimbursed for my AR-15 and still keep it. Because after all, if the government's going to guarantee my rights and I have the right to bear arms, and they're saying that that's why they're going to pay for my health care, that's why we all have access to health care and must have health care, then we all must have a gun, right? What we see in Canada, it's, it's, it's off-brand America, okay? That's what, that's what Canada is. It's off-brand. Everything there is just a little bit worse. He's like the diet soda of politicians. Mitt Romney's the same way. I was talking about this with the crew yesterday. And so normally I wouldn't care what basically a glorified governor of another country would do because really Canada is just like a, a big state. I mean, aren't there more people in California than in Canada? I think Gavin Newsom actually – leads more people than Justin Trudeau, (laughs) okay? But what we see from off-brand America is a foreshadowing of what the leftists want to do here. He's just able to get away with it because they have a screwed up sort of parliamentarian system. He leveraged his way into power. He weaseled his way in, even though he's the son of Castro. And he's sitting up there and he's going to his fancy restaurants and he's getting berated and he's crossing his legs and he's running like a wuss and he's getting the crap kicked out of him. And these boxing men, you see this footage after footage is just embarrassing, blackface, stupid crap that he always does. He's absolutely disgusting. And what's more is he's got no balls about it. You know, at least Mussolini was like, I'll kill you. And he would. At least there was a well-dressed sort of sophisticated avenue for the major villains of the 20th century. But this guy is literally just a dork. And I'm a dorky guy. I'm a nerdy guy. I know that I'm not this hip dude or whatever, but I don't act like I'm some hip, amazing dude, and I'm not running for the prime ministership of Canada so that I could just stroke my own ego and subjugate an entire population. This guy is like the dweebiest, dorkiest, weakest, most insecure, pathetic person that I think I've ever seen. I don't know why it is. I shouldn't even care what the Canadian prime minister thinks about anything. I shouldn't even care about foreign news at all. Frankly, if America was the country that I hope it becomes one day, nobody will even pay attention to foreign news at all because it won't matter. We'll be America first and everybody else can just F off. But every time I see this guy in his little seeping, he shows up in our in our news reports and he seeps into our culture and he gets cited and the leftists cheer him on and they think it's great. And he just says, let me be clear in Canada, you are no longer allowed to buy or sell a handgun. And he says it with his little lisp and he's got his little effeminate characterizations and his perfect hair, which is designed to look unkept in just the perfect way. 
And he's just so soft, and he's up there. He says, in Canada, we use the metric system, and therefore we're superior, and you mega-Republicans need to get out of our policies because you're the reason we're not supporting Ukraine anymore. Even though Ukraine is literally a Nazi country, he literally gave standing ovations for Nazis. Why does anyone like this guy? Why does he still draw breath? More on the other side, folks. More on the other side. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. Thanksgiving 2023 is here. And I'm giving Thanksgiving for all we've done against tyranny and your incredible support together in this fight. And I'm particularly giving Thanksgiving that X2, our number one product, the only true atomic iodine on the market after a year plus of being sold out, is finally back in stock, ready to ship now. If you don't know the power of X2 and the iodine conspiracy, you are insane. Get X2 now. It could be the last run ever we get shut down while you still can at InfoWarsStore.com. Research iodine deficiency and billions of people with cognitive disabilities because they don't have it. X2, X2, X2 is now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Takes a few weeks to kick in, but it is the building block to everything. It's the missing link. They bomb us with the fluoride that is in the same family, but has the opposite effect. This is the holy grail of supplements and empowering yourself. X2, back in stock right now. Discount at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. We're in. the American Journal folks call in 877-789-2539 because I want to talk to you about what is on your mind open lines anything on your mind let's chat about it we've got these bombshell reports 
Whistleblower documents show the U.S. and U.K. military contractors created a sweeping plan for global censorship in 2018. No, duh. A whistleblower has come forward with an explosive new trove of documents. See, now this makes sense to be a whistleblower for this. This makes more sense than whistleblowing for the UFO thing. It rivals or exceeds the Twitter files. Even Elon Musk actually tweeted about this yesterday, so that lended some lent some credence to this. It's exceeding the extent of the Twitter files and the Facebook files in scale and importance. The funny thing is I noticed when he talked about this, when I saw this tweet the other day, I didn't even know that there were Facebook files. That's how irrelevant Facebook has become. Did you guys know that there were Facebook files? I knew there were Twitter files. I didn't know there were Facebook files. Frankly, I didn't even think there needed to be Facebook files because if you remember Zuckerberg's appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast, he explicitly stated that the CIA made calls to them and that was what informed their Hunter Biden policy on the laptop. Yeah, we got a call. We were told it was disinformation. We were told there was going to be a story in the next couple of days and that we should prevent the spread of that misinformation. He explicitly stated it. That's why I'm surprised that there were Facebook files when Zuckerberg's very clear about it. They described the activities of an anti-excuse me, anti-disinformation group called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, or CTIL. It officially began as the volunteer project of data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans but whose tactics over time appear to have been absorbed into multiple official projects, including those of the Department of Homeland Security. So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about tyranny of conspiracy rather than tyranny of conquest. And I actually came up with an idea at about 1 a.m. last night when I was on Twitter. And I don't like to plug myself. I don't like to plug anything that I do. But I want you to direct message me on Twitter, at Real Chase Geyser. And the reason that I want you to do that is because I started – the community on Twitter called League Against Leftists on X. And what we're going to do is we're going to create this group of hopefully thousands of people. And we are going to share posts with each other from major leftist accounts that needed to be that need to be community noted. Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you have a post on X and it gets community noted that post is immediately removed from being able to be monetized. So what we've seen from the left is we've seen these massive sort of keyboard warriors coming after and getting our accounts censored. They are community noting right-wing accounts for telling the truth, demonetizing them. Send me a DM on Twitter and I'll get you in this community. Because what we need to do is we need to conspire back. We need to become a conspiracy activist group rather than just a conspiracy theory network. It's the only way that we're going to overcome this here. The only way we have to fight fire with fire. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share posts with each other of major leftist accounts. We're going to massively reply to those posts with at community notes. We're going to get them community noted and we're going to demonetize them. We are going to demonetize the hell out of leftists. They got 200,000 followers, nearly 200,000 followers on X. And I think that if enough people sign up for this, this is a way that you can be a keyboard warrior and actually hurt the wallets and accounts of these leftists because we've seen them. They intentionally post this sort of trolling, not true stuff like the Krasenstein's do this. They, they want you to respond and reply to it because they get more money the more you respond and reply. I posted a post about the Palestinian IQ issues like right after the attack beginning of October, got millions upon millions of impressions, and it got community noted, not because it wasn't true, but because the author of the study is a controversial person. 
the study that I cited in the post. I cited the study. It's a real study. It was published in a real journal. The study was conducted, I think, by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We talked about it here on air. The community noted it, so I made $500 off of that post alone, and I haven't made any money off of it since, even though it's gotten millions of more impressions and replies. I had to mute it. My notifications were blowing up so fast. And they just wanted the community noted so that I would get demonetized so they didn't have to pay me. And I don't know that X was behind the demonetization, but enough people respond at community notes, at community notes, at community notes. Then it gets a community note, then it's demonetized. That's just the policy. They do that so that there's no incentive for disinformation on the platform. But the problem is you can abuse the system so that you can community note posts that are actually true, forcing a response from the community notes department. And that's how they're demonetizing the right. So we're going to do the same thing. Join the league against the leftists on X. DM me on Twitter. I'll send you a link to join. It's an open group. Join the community. We're going to share these posts with one another, and we are going to make sure that these leftists get the hell community noted out of them. We're going to fight fire with fire. We're going to conspire against them. And this is going to be one of the ways, one of the fronts that we fight on this great information war. Meanwhile, the FBI is conducting record numbers of background checks on Black Friday as gun demand surges. The National Shooting Sports Foundation, NSSF, reported the FBI conducted a record-breaking number of national instant criminal background check systems, NICS, N-I-C-S, on Black Friday. Well, everybody wants to buy a gun because they all know World War III is around here. Around the corner, they don't want to go and be drafted to a conflict that doesn't make any sense for no reason. They don't trust the government. They don't trust each other. The police are not even allowed to really fight crime. The border is open, and our border defenders, ICE agents, are not even allowed to actually protect the border. So everybody's buying a gun and saying, if you're not going to do it, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And frankly, I think it's getting to the point in Texas where we need to take matters into our own hands. We need to establish militias here, lawful militias here. We need to go down to the border and we need to say, you're not crossing. I don't care what this ICE guy says. I don't care what the federal government says. I don't care what the government says. You are not coming into my country. And if you come into my country, you will be met with the necessary force to protect our laws and our sovereignty. Where are the Rough Riders? Where are the Texas Rangers? The old spirit of Texas. Where are the likes of the Wyatt Earps and the Doc Holidays, who were deputized in these small towns and tasked with taking on corruption because no one else was there to do it. We need to sort of reinvigorate that culture here in Texas. We need to be their Huckleberry. Make sure you call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. I want to know what you think about everything that's going on. And check this out. I want to talk about this little story here. We're taking it out of hide. Pentagon says it has no money for the Middle East buildup. So it doesn't mean that we can't do it. It just means that they're asking for more money. But meanwhile, in the same context, we have Iran adding sophisticated warship to the Caspian Sea fleet. Look at this thing. In this picture released by the official website of the Iranian army on November 27, 2023, the, the Dilemon moves in the Caspian Sea off northern Iran. The Dilemon is a 1,400-ton destroyer capable of launching cruise missiles. So everything's escalating. The Pentagon's asking for more money. They're coming down with censorship, and everybody's buying guns here because they know that our government, our law enforcement, isn't equipped to actually handle any of these threats. They've, they've basically been forbidden from doing so. And then we have big tech calling for more regulation to ensure that there's no democratization of artificial intelligence and that there's no way that we can, on a technical basis, actually combat this tyranny. Former Google CEO, companies' AI guardrails aren't enough to prevent harm. 
Well, if Google's calling for more regulation, then that means that they must, excuse me, they must already be having their own sort of internal policies that would align with the regulation that they would suggest, right? So Google's coming out as a major AI developer. It's saying that the regulation isn't enough. They must already be following what they would deem to be the correct regulation, just by deduction here. But they want more regulation because they don't want the democratization of artificial intelligence. They don't want anybody else to compete with them. They are trying to squeeze out anybody else from creating artificial intelligence tools so they have a monopoly on it. And so that the government can work through them by proxy to violate our rights with artificial intelligence. So they get all the government contracts. So they have all the power, all the data, all the information, and they can totally control you. All this in the context of digital IDs and digital currencies about ready to be on the cusp of manifestation. They're attacking us from every single front. They're physically crossing our border. They're physically coming into our communities. They're physically breaking into our houses. They want to put us in camps. Now they're trying to silence us and censor us. They want to restrict the way that we spend our money. Literally everything that you do other than draw breath is being restricted by the government. But even the air you breathe, they're trying to control in the name of climate change, which we know is just really a scam in order to get funding back in their pockets. I want to take your calls for the next hour. Make sure you call on 877-789-2539. Visit InfoWarsStore.com to be the reason we are still on the air. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers, they really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when you look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself and the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. And I want to encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com and you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsStore.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now.